Welcome to Taboo and Turn On. I'm your host, Natalie Bartanian, and this is a podcast where we have real talk about real things, where we shed light on taboo topics and explore what it truly means to live a turned on life. I'm so glad you've joined, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Music by bensound.com. So on today's podcast, I have a, another dear friend, um, Ashley Monta, who I met a few years ago. Oddly enough, we were at a show for a mutual friend and then quickly found out we were both very into the woo witchy world. And so that was kind of our connection where we got to hang out. But There's this other place that Ashley and I super duper geek out, and it's around cannabis and sex. So Ashley Monta is the creator and founder of Canisexual, and her kind of mission in life at this point is to really expose and educate people on the beauty that comes from combining those two worlds, combining the world of cannabis and combining the world of sex. And so... I really wanted to have her on for us to, again, kind of share about these things because there is a lot of stigma around it. There's a lot of misinformation. It's very much, I mean, sex alone is taboo and then cannabis is seen as taboo and just kind of intentional drug use is still seen as taboo and combining those things. So I was like, well, why not just combine those two things and we'll just talk about two taboo things together. So thank you, Ashley, for coming on and being willing to um, have this conversation today. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. I'm thrilled to be here. So before we got on, Ashley and I were just kind of rolling around the things that turned us on around this conversation. And, And I wanted to kind of start out in this place of the stigma that these things carry. And just starting to kind of um, explore that that place of stigma and misinformation. So I'm just going to hand it over to you, Ashley, and just, I guess, more starting from a personal place, because I'm, you know, we'll def- we can definitely get into a little bit more of the kind of science stuff at some point, if that's necessary. But I wanted to just get your world um, around it. Absolutely. I have been a sex educator for almost 10 years now. Um, and I have been using cannabis since I was 23, which is kind of late in life to start. Um, most people I know use cannabis, you know, as sort of part of their like teenage counterculture years. And I was very anti-cannabis in middle high school, early college. Um, I didn't realize that. Wow. Oh yes. I was, I was, afraid of it. I I am told that sometime in high school, the sentence weed is the path to the devil escaped my lips. Um, Wow. I mean, I'm just tripping out a little bit because that was kind of my experience too, as to like, I started using cannabis later in life as well. And I was so like anti everything (laughs) around like drug use too. Oh yeah. 
yeah, I was really um, judgmental about people who used cannabis. I was definitely a child of dare culture where um, cannabis consumers were seen as lazy and unintelligent and that they weren't going anywhere in their lives and that, you know, it was just a lot of negative stereotypes. And Oh my God, I forgot about that. I was like, why do I have this association with like stoners or like lazy, just like blobs? Yes. <laughs> oh I my mean, God. One of my favorite movies, Clueless, growing up, like they talk about the stoners that come to class like late and say bonehead things. And <gasps> right. Remember? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. And, yeah. Like, no respectable girl actually dates one, you know, like right. that whole thing. Like, it was it was pervasive in culture that, like, cannabis consumers were pariahs. Like, they were just this, like, fringe group that didn't really add any value to society. And I am pleased to say that that is so not the case. Like I just spent the last week in Las Vegas with 18,000 people who are in the cannabis industry. And I can tell you without doubt that like, those are some of the hardest working, most driven, passionate, knowledgeable, savvy business people I've ever met in my life. And a lot of them are women, like getting close to 60%. I'm hearing that like, own their own businesses or have leadership roles in the cannabis space, which is huge in, in the business world. So it's, it's very exciting to see the ways in which our, our biases can be so far off base. So then what had you change your perspective? Like what was the thing that led you to see cannabis differently? When I was in graduate school, I was at a, an academic conference and I saw one of my professors smoking with some of my grad school cohort. And I was like, you know, if this person has a PhD and they're smoking cannabis and they're like gainfully employed and, and putting out like meaningful scholarship to the world, like maybe I need to reevaluate the way I see cannabis okay okay and I did so I I also had some traumatic associations with cannabis because when I was sexually assaulted when I was 13 my rapist was using cannabis and so I thought that the reason that I was feeling um dissociated and out of control of my body and spacey was because of the cannabis that he was using in a, around me because I didn't know about the freeze response to trauma Oh, okay. And once I looked back on that, like from a trauma informed lens, I was like, oh, that's what was going on. I was having a trauma reaction. I wasn't stoned because I hadn't actually consumed anything. I was just around him. But like that association carried me through my teens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I, I found some friends in my grad school cohort who were willing to kind of help me reframe that experience. And so I went over to their house. And I took my first hit from a gravity bong and I sat in a love sack, which is like that beanbag chair that's filled with memory foam. And I watched Empire Records and I felt amazing. <laughs> 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 oh 
I was like, you know, this cannabis thing isn't so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, and it just, I mean, it does make me think of things like, you know, in so many ways, like alcohol is so accepted, Mm -hmm. right? Just across the board as far as um, a mind-altering substance in a way. And I just always just remember thinking, like, I actually really don't like the way that I feel on alcohol. Like, and I just, there are just so many things that I would hear about that would really scare me about it. And, you know, people just acting different and violence and obviously drunk driving and people getting killed and like all of these things. But like more than that, it just, I just never felt like that great on sure. it, you know, but I just, like you said, I loved the way that I felt when I smoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually gave up drinking alcohol entirely about 18 months ago. Oh, yeah. I thought I heard something about that. Okay. And I'm so glad I did because, for one thing, uh, not drinking is significantly cheaper. (laughs) But more importantly, like, it's really better for my body. I Even a, a couple sips of alcohol would make my stomach feel lousy and make my head feel lousy. And... With cannabis, I can use as much as I need for any given scenario and never feel lousy the next day. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think even with that, I don't, like, there's just, I I definitely know people that just cannabis just doesn't sit well with their bodies, right? And this is when I'm such a big fan of, you know, know thyself, yes. right? Like you, yes. you try things out, you see if it works. Maybe it's not the right strain that you need to use. Maybe the dosage, maybe like you can play with those things too. But the point is to always just keep checking in, right? With yourself and your body and what, what works, what doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. It's really important to figure out if something's not working for you, like what is it about that? That's not working. Is it the dosage? Is it the product that you've chosen? Is it the the situation that you found yourself in? Like maybe you're a, a consumer who really needs to be by themselves when they're consuming for therapeutic reasons. And it stresses you out to be around other people. That's valid. You know, it's, it's all about figuring out what works for you. Yeah. I do want to go back to this whole thing around kind of that, that stigma around, you know, just the associations that people have with cannabis. And then, you know, probably why a lot of people don't talk about the fact that they use it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such a real thing. Um, Especially parents. Like I'm finding a dear friend of mine was actually on the today show talking about how like she thinks that using cannabis makes her a better parent. Like you used to see ads in magazines of like, you know, mother's little helper with a glass of wine, but if a mom uses cannabis, then like they're a terrible parent and oh my God, how could you do that? How could you subject your children to this? And, and it's really fascinating because the people who do use it are like, no, I'm calmer. Like I'm not as stressed. I'm not as irritable. It's like, I'm not stoned. I'm just, you know, using a little bit to help like maintain my anxiety or keep me focused or whatever it is. And like better that than opiates or alcohol or, you know, Xanax, but because it's cannabis, there's a stigma. God, the hypocrisy of it. I'm just getting even more and more. And just, and just, again, the misinformation and this education around this stuff, right? Because 
I agree with you. Like there is a way that, um, for me personally, when I, when I use cannabis, um, I get in some ways sharper at times. I, I, I do feel relaxed. Like I am someone that goes a hundred miles an hour and my brain is always going and I'm always doing like, I joke that I'm a recovering type A person. And so it does like there's, there's a certain way that it does allow me to just kind of like slow down and breathe a little deeper, but it doesn't have me completely check out. Like there's a way that I actually, it increases my creativity sometimes and I'm very focused and I'm able to kind of like just see things in a different way. Like there's a kind of different shade to things that kind of comes up. And so that kind of stigma around, you know, you get like lazy and stupid. I'm like, are you kidding me? I would like clean my entire house. Like I would just like, there are just ways that it just will have me kind of get into action or have me think about things that, you know, I, I never thought that I was like, wow, am I just like a weirdo? Like it just affects me differently because I hear all these stories of people that are like, Oh God, I just turned into like lazy blob. And, um, so I, I also was one of those statistics of like people that just never talked about the fact that I used cannabis. Cause I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm some like lazy, like sluggish, you know, dumb person basically. Yeah. It's, there's so much stigma and, and misperception. And I had to weigh that when I was coming out about being a cannabis oh, consumer. God, like right. <laughs> I, I'm out on the internet. There is no doubt in anyone's mind who Googles me that I use cannabis. <laughs> um, and, and now having been written up in like Newsweek and LA Weekly and like all of these major mainstream publications, I'm like, well, I hope I don't ever try to like get a job for somebody who doesn't support cannabis use because that's that right. ship has sailed. But like I've noticed stigma come up even among people that I consider friends, like people that I would consider hmm. more savvy, like make jokes about like, oh, you must have been stoned because, you know, you're just stoned all the time, aren't you? Ha ha ha. And I'm like, no, I'm not actually. <laughs> like I use cannabis every day and I'm still not stoned all the time. <laughs> like, Yeah. Got it's it. so yeah. funny. Like the ways in which like if I'm late for something or if I forget something, like People are just like, oh, ha, 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 fucking stoners. And I'm like, that's not – like, I'm just forgetful. I was forgetful before cannabis. <laughs> right. That's what I was going to say. I've done more stupid shit sober right? than I have when I've, I've actually ingested cannabis. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Wow. I mean, I'm so curious about that kind of coming out place, too. Um Cause I just, in this moment I was realizing like, uh, I guess this is also my coming out party. Cause I've, I never publicly said that I've used cannabis because of just so much of the kind of stigma. And obviously that part that is like, Oh my God. And it's illegal. And it's like the worst thing that you could be doing. But I don't personally believe that. Right. At all. Well, congratulations so on coming out of the green closet. Thank you. Thank you. I might as well. Fuck. Right? I've come out about the bisexuality piece. I've come out about polyamory. Might as well fucking come out around the right. 
cannabis and drug use too. Why not? Let's just have well, a party. Well, I'm especially honored because uh, you are now the second podcast host who has come out about their cannabis use during an interview with me. <laughs> and the first one was <laughs> Tristan Taramino. So like, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, whoa. Tristan Taramino. Tristan Taramino. Oh, wow. So you are in excellent company. Wow. I'm... I feel very honored, and obviously that means you are doing your work in the world, love. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Like, I think if everyone so came out, like, everyone who can, you know, there are people who have government jobs or careers that, like, are really not, they're not able to be out about their cannabis use, but I, I really wish that people who were able to be would be out about it, because I think if more people talked about it, it would normalize it, much in the way that sexuality benefits from being talked about rather than shrouded in secrecy oh no I totally agree because I say that a lot even around just polyamory like there are so many people that are poly that we don't know about or that have non-monogamous relationships but they don't talk about it because it's such a like shameful horrid thing and so why would they and so we go around thinking like oh so you know it doesn't happen and so it's not as normal of a thing but you're right. Like the more conversations around these things that are taboo, um, the more it does normalize it and releases the shame around it. And so then I'm so curious for you again, like to then come out and be so public about something like cannabis and then also pairing it with something like sex. I mean, Jesus, like, how was that for you? <laughs> like, what's that process like? The big scary thing that I came out about on the internet for was having her genital herpes. Like, uh, that in 2013 was like my big, oh my God, I can't believe I'm admitting this on the internet. And after that, everything else was like way less scary. Got it. Um, and, and I wish that it, that having herpes hadn't, been so scary for me to come out about. And I'm certainly like totally fine with it now. I just drop it into casual conversations. But mm -hmm. at the time I was like, Oh gosh, like my boyfriend's mom's going to read this. Like, what's she going to think? And what are my parents going right. to think? And like, they knew, but there's a difference between knowing and, you know, reading about it on Facebook. So it, I definitely had some heartburn about like, I really want to be a person who shines the light and who says like, yes, this is me and this is real and it's okay. And you're not alone. Cause that's always been something that really like resonates with me, that kind of, of moving way of moving through the world. And so when I got such a positive response to coming out about having herpes, then it made it easier to be like, okay, well now let's talk about sex and cannabis. All right. We're going to come uh. out about cannabis. Okay. I'm telling you all, here you go. And to my delight, a lot of people were like, that's so cool. I use cannabis too. And it always is that snowball effect. Like one person says a scary, vulnerable thing. And then three other people are like, oh my gosh, yes, that. So what, what is the thing that you wish people knew? Like that, like your deepest desire around people being informed about sex and cannabis. I wish that people knew that you can use cannabis without being high. That is so often the thing that I run into of, as a roadblock that people are like, Oh, 
I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't want to be out of control. I don't have the time to devote to being high because, you know, if I smoke a joint, I'm going to be high for three hours, which is a valid. Like if you have a time crunch or, you know, you're trying to sneak in a quickie before work or something like, or you've got, you know, kids running around, you may not have the time to be in a psychoactive state for (laughs) three hours but there are so many ways that you can incorporate it that don't get you high, like using a high CBD, low THC formulation or using topicals for pain or using um, tinctures or transdermal patches. Like there are so many different ways that you can consume cannabis and get all of the benefits of like stress relief and anxiety reduction and pain relief without feeling high got it and so that becomes really bad for sex mm-hmm. well and that's what i was going to say because also the part that i know you talk about is just the way it enhances your sex and so i just want to hear a little bit about that piece of it too like for you why why use cannabis and sex why not? Sex is great just by itself. Sex is great by itself. And we have a lot of things that get in the way of us enjoying mm. our sex, mm-hmm. either by ourselves or with other people. Right. You know, not feeling comfortable in your body, being stressed out, having anxiety, um, just kind of not being connected to the sensations in your body and like able to recognize them and then maybe make requests around them. And so cannabis can help heighten sensitivity, heighten sensation, um, really deepen pleasure in some pretty powerful ways, while also helping to counteract anxiety, helping to kind of quiet those voices in your head that are telling you you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're not fit enough, like whatever it is that those voices are telling you. It helps kind of tone those down a little bit and, and allow you to really be present with yourself. And if you're with a partner with a partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, I do love that part, but just like being present, right? Like just kind of, again, I think the, the thing for me around the, I just love that it has me slowed down and it has my brain relaxed because so much, I think of the reason that we don't have, the kind of sex that we would want to is because we are, we're so fucking in our heads yeah. with all the stories and the shit we make up and the insecurities and the judgments and the, all of the stuff, right. That is just so in the way. And, and I do love that idea of, yeah, but how, so how can we quiet that and get you in your body and then get you in your heart yes. so that you're connecting with your partner or yourself. Or yourself, exactly. Like, I always tell people when you're trying a new cannabis product and you want to potentially use it for sex, masturbate. See how it impacts your body when you're solo. Because when you're with a partner, there's a whole other host of variables. Like, if you're feeling safe, if you're feeling loved, if you're feeling comfortable in that scenario with your partner for any number of reasons. And so, if you're by yourself first, you can kind of figure out like, okay, in a very controlled circumstance, this is what this does to my body. This is, these are the sensations I notice. This is the way that it impacts my pleasure or arousal or wetness or whatever it is. So let me kind of like 
bookmark all of those things. And then when I want to feel those things with a partner, I kind of know which product to turn to. Right. And so in that place too, and cause I'm definitely in some ways a novice, like I've, I've had sex on cannabis, but not in the kind of way that you talk about it and just the kind of range that's available and different kind of products and things like that. So I'm just curious if you can give a snapshot of, I guess, what is possible with sex and cannabis. Absolutely. One of my favorite ways to combine sex and cannabis, and the first way I did it in a a really meaningful way was using a genital oriented oil that was infused with THC. So it's a coconut oil spray that you spray on your genitals 25 minutes before sexy fun times. It has THC in it and it like marinates. Like you don't use it as a lube. It's people call it weed lube and it drives me bonkers because it's really a misnomer. It's, it's more like a weed marinade. Okay. And so you let it soak in and the THC is a vasodilator. So it's going to bring more blood flow to the area, which is going to do what your normal arousal process does, but more, um, targeted. Mm -hmm. And it helps to decrease discomfort and increase pleasurable sensations. And that was big for me because as a trauma survivor, I experienced pain with penetration for years. And so using a THC oil really made a huge difference in my comfort level and my ability to enjoy sex. And once I kind of got over that hump, I also found that it allowed me to have multiple orgasms, which was a nice bonus. Oh yeah. And all of that happens without getting high at all. Like you cannot get stoned from putting cannabis oil on your badge. Right. Because it's just kind of in the body and it's just enhancing sensation in the body. Well, exactly. It's localized and it's not going through your liver it's not, you're not inhaling it. Like it's not hitting the same receptors. So it's not going to get you having, um, psychoactive effects. And that's really useful for quickies. Um, if you plan around it and it's great for times when you're kind of on the go and you just want to do a little enhancement. And so that's one Avenue. That's really lovely. I also like taking that same concept and they have massage oils. So having my partner give me a massage that has THC and CBD in it, that's great for pain. That's like intimate and sexy. And, um, my lover B and I hosted a couple's intimacy workshop and we did a touch portion that like it was giving and receiving massage. And we had the option of people using cannabis infused oil. And so that was a really cool thing to offer because it, it really like gets into the muscles and helps them, um, unclench and, and helps reduce inflammation. And, and that's a really important thing because you have to be comfortable in your body in order to be able to enjoy it. And if your shoulder is aching or your hips like bothering you, it's really hard to be present. Got it. Right. So mitigating the things again, that might kind of get in the way of having a really deep, kind of connected and body sensation, pleasurable experience. Exactly. And then there's just inhaling, you know, you can use 
a joint or smoke a bowl or smoke out of a bong if you want combustion methods of inhaling or there are vaporization options um, either using like oil cartridge vape pens or um, a desktop vaporizer that vaporizes the herb into um, something that's less harsh than smoke and you can shotgun hits you know one person inhales you exhale into the other person's mouth as they inhale and that's a really sexy way to start kissing Mm, and then what are the kind of possible reactions or kind of effects of inhaling whether like vape or just smoke and stuff like that depending on the cannabinoid content if it's a high cbd product um you're not going to have the psychoactive effects because th or excuse me could because cbd doesn't have um a psychoactive effect that gets you high it reduces anxiety but it doesn't make you feel high at all so if you have a high cbd product you're not going to feel stoned at all um but it does reduce anxiety. But it reduces then? anxiety. Like interesting. Okay. And it has it. to be high cool. enough. Like if, if it's a one-to-one, you might feel a little buzzed. If it's a two-to-one, you might feel a little buzzed. If it's a 30-to-one, you're not going to feel any head high whatsoever. So like looking at the products and being like, is this lab tested? What are the breakdowns? And kind of getting educated about that. Anyway, that was a tangent. Sorry. Um, no, it's good. I think, again, the kind of getting educated, right, around this kind of stuff and knowing just, yeah, being really informed about where it's coming from, what it does, what it might do for you. Like, all that stuff is so important. It's so important. And and it's important to kind of figure out for you what it does. And so I always tell people, start with the smallest possible amount. You can always – it's like adding salt when you're cooking. You can always add more. You cannot add less. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've definitely done that. Where I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'll just like t- take two hits, and they warned me that it was strong. I'm like, oh, I'm good. I have a high tolerance, and oh my god, I was like, fuck, I should have just kept it to that one exactly. hit. Um, yes. And and we we tell ourselves like, oh, I have a high tolerance. Like, oh, it's fine. Oh, I just smoked last night. Like, it's just always safer to err on the side of like, just take one small hit. And so shotgunning hits is interesting because if the person who has the lower tolerance is the one who's receiving the shotgun hit. So like if you and I are smoking and my tolerance is really high and yours is not as high as mine, I would take the hit directly from the joint or the bong or whatever, and then exhale it into your mouth because I'm then taking a lot of the cannabinoids in that first inhale. And you're only getting like a much weaker version. Oh, got it. Okay. So that's kind of something to keep in mind. Now, that's assuming that you're inhaling like in into your lungs. If you just suck it into your mouth and then blow it out, then you haven't really filtered it at all. But like if I inhale it into my lungs and then exhale it, I've taken probably I I'm completely guessing on the percentages here, but like I would say, you know, a third to half of the active cannabinoids in my own body before they go into yours. So good way if you have someone who's more of a novice to like I could take a nice big hit and then just exhale a little bit into your mouth and you're still getting it you get the flavor you get the intimacy of us sharing a breath without getting like steamrolled got it and so this might be a so and then obviously there's the the indica and the sativa and those having different effects and 
Um, why would anyone use sativa? So for those that don't know, so indica is more of the body kind of high and sativa gives more of the kind of head high. Um, why would anyone use sativa for a set? Well, it's interesting. Um, we've used indica sativa hybrid for a very long time as the, okay. So hybrid, right. Um, as, as a designation, but we're actually finding as we learn more about the plant that that's not usually a reliable indicator of the effect. Um, a lot of dispensaries will classify something as sativa when it's not, um, almost all strains at this point are hybrids, um, other than land race strains, um, which are like indigenous to specific parts of the world. And so when you're getting something, you know, somebody might say it's a sativa and it might make you really sleepy because it has a lot of CBN in it, which is a more sedate, uh, cannabinoid. Or it might have a lot of myrcene in it, which is a, a sedate terpene. And so we're finding that the indica sativa hybrid designations are not as telling as they once were. Mm, uh, okay. or, or reliable. Like in that and strain names are both like really iffy when it comes to like, oh, I had a gorilla glue last week that really like was very active and and social and bubbly and funny and fun and giggly. And I had one this week and I was like couch locked all day. And so we're finding so much, um, so much of a scatter of results based on indica sativa hybrid and strain names that like they're starting to move away from that and to really move toward getting things lab tested and then looking at the cannabinoid and terpene breakdown of that particular flower or that particular product so that you can start to make, um, meaningful hypotheses about how the effects might hit you. Um, although ultimately it's going to be personal because one thing that we're finding is something could be really great for me and make me feel euphoric and yummy and awesome and make you super, super paranoid because of body chemistry. Oh yeah, no, that makes so much sense because this might not be kind of an exact association, but so I also have used acid to have sex and, and very intentionally where we would take it and kind of really say like, okay, what do we want this experience to be like? We want it to be light and playful and fun, or we want this to be like more raunchy and, and just kind of, um, more primal sex or whatever that was. So we would kind of set the intention before going in, but everyone I talked to about acid their experience is much more of a kind of visual, mm-hmm. um, where for me, it's so much more body. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is that, like you said, just my chemistry? Like it just, it's such a body high for me in a lot of ways. Like I feel my breath gets deeper and I can feel my heart in my chest and I can just like, like the wind on my skin, like I can feel it just like heightened sensitivity. But for a lot of people, that's not true. And so I'm, I can see how that would be true for cannabis too. Exactly. I love sex on psychedelics. It's amazing. And <laughs> people do have very different reactions. Um, and what's interesting about psychedelics is that you can kind of steer them. Um, like if, if you change the lighting or the music or the environment, like you can start with one experience and like very, very cleanly shift it into a different experience, which is kind of neat. 
Oh yeah, no, that's so true because there's one, there's definitely been a couple of times where like a playlist is going and as the music changes, like our sex yes, is changing. It's like the coolest so fucking real. thing ever. I'm like, Ugh. oh yeah, yeah. I have an entire like tripping playlist that what I think you need I will to share absolutely that share. It it's so good and it takes you on this really beautiful ride from like what? slow and okay. sensual to like fast and frenzied and lustful to like sweet and tender to like fuck me harder and oh it's really good (laughs) oh my god okay and these are the times where I'm like you really do need to start creating these like curated experiences for people to be like take a little bit of this and do this and be here and use use this this music and (laughs) that would be the coolest thing for me I love creating oh I still want that to be your job or part of your job at some point like I would definitely sign up for that service of like curating my sexual experience and also like intentional drug use with sex right like that would be the cool like that that's goals for me like that's where I want my career to end up someday Uh, and there are you know mushrooms are becoming more socially acceptable there have been some really promising studies about mushrooms and PTSD and and those kinds of healing modalities which is cool and one of the states I heard is about to decriminalize mushroom use which is very exciting i just still cannot believe that mushrooms are criminal but anyway that's just a whole other oh yeah but it's like it comes out of the ground oh i'm right there with you like it's it's absurd the way that we criminalize plants when it's totally okay to you know have opiates and benzodiazepines and like really scary addictive things like handed out like candy Wow. Wow. Uh, so going back to kind of this, this place of, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the intention yes. thing. So again, like with anything, I've just noticed that what, how we approach it and our motivation behind it and, and, and being very mindful, um, is makes all the difference in the world. So, I mean, I could totally be doing the healthiest thing on paper, but if, like my motivation behind it isn't a healthy one. Like it's going to totally skew um, the outcome and the results. So I just am curious for you, your thoughts on kind of just bringing intention into it all. For me, intention is everything when you're combining substances and sex and for sex generally, honestly, but especially when you're adding something else to it, like my golden rule is figure out where you are right now, where you want to be, where do you want to end up? What do you want to co-create? What experience do you want to have either by yourself or with another person? And from that place, figure out which products to use to help you get there. Because if I've had a really shitty day and like, I can't handle one more news story about how badly Trump is fucking up the United States. Um, I will like take a high CBD strain and like just calm my shit down because I need to like dull out the bananas stuff that's happening out in the world. And that helps me kind of like be clear about, okay, I need, I need to get out of my head and into my body. I want to feel more present. So I go to my little medicine chest and I figure out which of the products that I have is going to be best for that. And that's a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Cause I think that is, especially because 
we have the ability to change the effect. Because again, I could I could totally smoke cannabis and and have sex and and it will do its thing. Or when I take acid and and have sex, but I've just noticed that when I sit down though and set the intention, it's almost like I'm steering yes. in a way. Like I become a little bit more in control in a way of the direction I want this to take versus just being led in the, in any direction that it, it wants to take me. It's like, we're in some ways in that way, kind of co-creating like me and the drug, right. Are kind of teaming up for me to have this specific experience right now with sex and or with my partner. I fully agree. Like it's, it's about really speaking something into existence you know, what do you want to be? How do you want to feel naming it? And then that makes it real. Yeah. Well, my dear, as much as I could like dive in even deeper and get even more detailed about sex and doing it with all of the things, um, I, I do want to kind of start to bring things to a close, but I, yeah, if you can share with people just how they can get in touch with you. Because, again, folks, like, if you have any kind of interest around this stuff or curiosity around it, like, there's a whole world out there that we just don't know about sex and about cannabis. And, again, the beautiful part about Ashley is she, like, combines the two. And so you get, like, a twofer. You get you learn about both of these things and then how they can be kind of combined to have this amazing experience. So yeah, how can people find you? And obviously we'll have your stuff in the show notes too. Wonderful. You can find me on my website, canasexual.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at canasexual on Twitter at Ashley Manta. And um, if anyone is listening and they find this fascinating, if you mention that you heard this on taboos and turn-ons, uh, I will give you 50% off your first coaching session. Uh, awesome. Right. So, and then just share kind of what, what it is that you offer, just kind of how you support people. I think that would be absolutely cool people. to know. I too. do sex and relationship coaching with or without cannabis. So if you need inspiration on how to incorporate cannabis into your sex life, I'm super there for you. Um, but a lot of what I do is, around helping people hack their sex lives to make them more pleasurable and more enjoyable and more of like exactly what they want them to be. And also really uh, streamline and optimize communication um, with their partners around asking for what they want and being really clear about where they're at and and not falling into these very like traditional um, bad habits with, um, with communication of like criticism and defensiveness and and the things that like John Gottman talks about in his research. Right. Okay, cool. So yes, check her stuff out, take her up on the offer. And, um, thank you again, Ashley. Like I, I feel like, again, I'm like, I feel smarter as a result of this conversation, but there's just so much that I still don't know, even though I have been consuming cannabis for a while. But I mean, even just that place of, Oh yeah, it's you can have it in products and it doesn't get you high like even that still kind of is such an association that I feel like is important to kind of de- debunk so thank you for really emphasizing that for us my too. pleasure thank you so much for having me it's always a blast to get to talk to you yeah yay all right I love, love you. you thank you again for listening to today's episode of taboo and turn on 
I hope it was as enlightening for you as it was for me around the conscious ways that we can use cannabis and really any mind-altering substance when it comes to sex and do it in a way that is working for us, respectful of our partners. Definitely, if it wasn't emphasized, consent is a big part of any conversation when it comes to sex. So making sure you're checking in with your partner and doing this in a way that is out and open and agreed upon to make it feel good for all parties involved. Lastly, if there's any way that I can support you around sex or love or relationships or really anything to help you live a turned on life, whether it's your work or your career, your passion projects, please go to the website, thisturnedonlife.com and under the work with me section, you can see a number of ways that we can work together. I thank you so much for listening. Please share with your friends, family, lovers, and hope they get something out of listening to the podcast too. Until next time.